Good morning, Edinburgh. That's right. It's 9 a.m. Well, a little after 9.12 here at 88.9 WFSE Fighting Scots Radio. And this is the morning after. I am your host, Tubby. And uh, on air today with me will be the one, the only, Drew Patrick calling in all the way from Mansfield. Drew, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? I am excited. It's the morning after, new format, Tuesdays and Thursdays for two hours, Drew. Two hours, me and my co-host, Maddie, who will be joining me here shortly. And we get to talk Edinburgh sports and national sports. It's going to be awesome. Yes, yes. So you're calling in today because you, my friend, are the best researcher, prognosticator I know of (laughs) in Division I football. Well, I feel honored. It's all false, but thank you. Well, I mean, I mean, if nobody else is going to blow up your ego, then then at least I have to, right? Oh, okay. That that makes sense. Thank you. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> we'll go ahead and get started here. Uh, you have some early predictions uh, going in. Do you want to start off with predictions, or do you want to go into to news and scandals? <laughs> We can start with prediction. Let's start with the uh, the happy-ish stuff before we get into all the deep, dark, nitty-gritty. Okay, dokes. We can do that. <laughs> yeah, so look, this year I think is going to be interesting. My final four, my playoff, of course, Alabama's going to be great. It doesn't matter who they put in at quarterback. They're going to be great. I'm not as ready to crown Tua as the rest of the world is. Like, the fact that he's a favorite for Heisman after, realistically, a half of football. Right. I'm having Cardell Jones flashbacks. That's exactly what I was going to bring up. I was going to bring up your favorite player. We didn't come here to play school. Because that's what, I mean, Ohio State won a national championship with him. But still, I mean, anybody can be great for, like, a single moment in time. But But that's that's what happened to him. He got elevated better than he maybe was. And it hurt Ohio State the next year. I don't think two is going to hurt. And, by the way, he's going to be the starter. Like, this whole not announcing him as a starter is just Nick Saban being Nick Saban. He's going to start. I don't know if Jalen Hurts stays with the team by the end of the year. I really don't. But that's another story. Bama is going to come back. They're going to be the, the number one team in the country probably throughout the year. I don't see them losing. They have a cupcake non-conference. And, yes, I'm considering Louisville part of that cupcake non-conference. And then just Arkansas State, Louisiana, and, of course, the cupcake week against the Citadel. They only have eight conference games. They're really their hardest game is on the road at LSU. They do face Auburn, but they're at home at the end of the year in Mississippi State, also at home towards the end of the year. So really an easy schedule for the Crimson Tide, and I think they're going to roll into that one spot. Okay, I can't argue with that. I, I completely agree. And then at two, look, I think this team has gotten overlooked pretty much every single year, and they are great every single year. And I'm talking about Wisconsin. Mm. I think the Badgers this year have a chance to make a statement. Look, they're hard. they have a couple of very hard road games. They are at Iowa, 
which doesn't seem like a hard game, but Iowa beats ranked teams at home. That's what they do. You would know there, Mr. Mm. Ohio State man, what Iowa can do at home. Then they have to travel to the big house just two weeks later, and then they have to travel to Beaver Stadium. So those are three extremely difficult away matches for this Wisconsin Badger team, but I think truthfully it's going to it's going to harden this team, and they're going to do very well this year. Well, in order for Wisconsin to go, I, I wouldn't have them in the number two slot to begin with. Number three, I, I, they might make, if they win the Big Ten, if they win the Big Ten, I could see them going in as a four, but not at two, simply because the Big Ten is going to be uber weak this year. And I, I, you know, it's about the quality opponent you beat. But if you beat them early and then they don't go on to have a successful season, because I'm sorry, I'm an Ohio State homer, but I know that that the great Buckeye Nation football team is not going to be as great as years past, simply because not only the drama surrounding the team, but I mean, what it's like the first year in what nine years that J.T. Barrett isn't the quarterback there. So hey, I mean, it's. No slouch, though. Yeah, I I understand that, but I just I I mean if if it's the the Big Ten is primed for a takeover, and a team out of the West could come over and take it all, but it would require the rest of the teams of the Big Ten in the Eastern Conference to have really good years. And I'm not sold on Ohio State. I'm not sold on Michigan State. Michigan with Harbaugh is still going to be a bipolar, wishy-washy, kind of no-backbone-having team. And Penn State, to be honest with you, Drew, McSwirly, without all the um, weapons that he had around him before that have now gone into the NFL, I, I, I really don't know what Penn State can do this year. There's too, many, there's too many question marks. Had this been last year and the Big Ten was the Big Ten as it is, and Wisconsin would step up and come through that way, yeah, no doubt they'd be number two. But this year, with so many unknowns in the Big Ten, I really don't see them getting one of the top four spots for the playoff. And one of the reasons I have them, too, is I think there's just going to be a lot of chaos in college football in general this year. I I think Bama is a (coughs) clear-cut number one, and I think below them there's just chaos everywhere, which is why I think Wisconsin sneaks into that spot. And plus, if you win on the road – at Michigan and then went on the road at Penn State, those are going to get the committee to look at you and actually respect Wisconsin unlike any previous year. Plus, that defense is still good, and arguably the best offensive line is up there. So that's my number two. My number three is Clemson. I think, of course, Clemson's going to do what Clemson's going to do, and they're going to drop a game to a team that they really shouldn't which is why they're not two and three, but I think the ACC is open for them to just roll through. Miami is maybe a threat, but you're not going to see them until the championship game, and by then you'll be ready to go. They have a fairly simple schedule, although week two, Texas A&M, that's going to be a fun game to watch. I don't think Texas A&M is back, but it's going to be interesting to see this team against Jimbo again. 
So that's going to be interesting. But other than that, not a really difficult schedule. They have to travel to Florida State in October, late October. But other than that, nothing really stands out as magnificently difficult. But that that game against Florida State could be where they trip up because there's always one. And I like – and also, speaking of quarterback battles, let's talk about this Clemson quarterback battle. I – Kelly Bryant got you to the playoff last year, and y'all already want to replace him with the incoming freshman who you haven't seen at all. You've seen in the spring game. Right. I get it. He's got a lot of intangibles that people love in a quarterback, but Kelly Bryant needs to be your guy. He's a senior, he's a leader, and he got the team to the promised land you just ran into. Alabama last year. Right. I I completely agree. And it's almost like the Brownsian effect where you like you have a starting starting quarterback, but the, the most famous guy and the most beloved guy on the team is the backup quarterback simply because he hasn't broken your heart yet. Nine twenty two right here on eighty eight point nine WFSE Fighting Scots Radio. This is the morning after, and we're talking with Drew Patrick alum now with Mansfield University in their sports information department. He is the director of their visual digital media, right? Something like that? Yes. <laughs> okay. Even if it's a made-up title, it sounds good to me, Drew, and I'm going to stick with it. I'll take it. All right, so we've gone through. Your number one is Alabama, which I agreed with. Your number two is Wisconsin for your way too early predictions as who's going to be in the Division One playoff. And then your number three is Clemson, which I also agree, even given the quarterback controversy. Who's your number four, Drew? And my number four is going to make uh, all your hair fall out because they're not ranked in the preseason uh, top 25. But do not sleep on Arizona. I think Arizona coming out of the Pac-12, I didn't want to pick two teams from a, a conference to be in because just out of – you know, I don't want to see that. I think your conference should decide who's in. So I would probably have another Big Ten team in, but or Georgia maybe in there. But I'm going to go with Arizona because I think, when was Kevin Sumlin, who's now the new coach, the most successful? When he had that quarterback that you refused to say his name, Johnny Football. Right. Khalil Tate at Arizona is Johnny Football 2.0. He doesn't throw the ball as well as Johnny did, but he is a much more athletic and a better runner. He has the all-time record last year, got 327 yards rushing in a game. That's the most ever for a quarterback. 327. Now you add Kevin Sumlin's offensive system. This cat is going to have a monster, monster year, and I think that brings Arizona to win that conference, I know a lot of people like Washington. I know a lot of people like USC this year, but I like Arizona to sneak up and make it there in that fourth spot. Yeah, I'm not a big I'm not a big believer in USC simply because of the Darnold hangover. Normally, when teams have a good quarterback leave for the NFL, it takes them a full year to recover. They have a slump, right? where it takes them a while to recover back up to that. So I'm not a big believer in USC. My sleeper team for number four, believe it or not, Drew, and you're going to hate it, you're probably going to want to reach through your phone and slap me, 
but I'm thinking Notre Dame. I'm thinking right. Notre if if Notre Dame can come out this week, they drew Michigan week one. Now I know I've called Michigan weak and I've called them spineless and all that stuff, but that's just me being the Ohio State fan that I am. But I honestly think that if they're both ranked, and if they could come out and get the statement win and then win throughout, I I think I think you got to put Notre Dame in that conversation. I'm also I completely agree with you about two teams from the same conference. Being in the Final Four, I think it's the stupidest thing ever. The only way I would agree that two teams from the same conference get into the Final Four is if that second team had a better record than every other conference winner. And you know that's not going to be true. Because there are going to be Division I conference winners who go undefeated and win their conference. Like, winning your conference should matter. You know, like, Also, I'm not... Because people keep throwing out the example, what if Alabama and Georgia are undefeated by the time they meet in the SEC championship game? Shouldn't they both deserve to be in? No. And my argument is no, because they faced each other. Right. That's your that's your playoff play-in game. Yes. Yeah, it may seem quote-unquote unfair, but you met. That was your playoff game. Right. And if you can't get it done on that Saturday, I, I feel bad for you. Try again next year, pal. I, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just you. Maybe we're just two old grumpy men saying get off our lawn. But it's what I believe, Drew. I completely agree. You know, this, this is a weird show. How is it that you move halfway across the state and now all of a sudden you and I are agreeing on everything? <laughs> did you move over there and gain perspective? Is that what happened? Or did I just it mature? It makes the heart grow fonder, Tubby. It could be. Could very well be. But we will be we will be meeting Drew and I as Drew's going to be a, a frequent caller here on the show. Uh, a little bit of news I put it out on our social media. The morning after show, Pigskin Pick'em League is back. So feel free to log on to ESPN, uh, do a search on the morning after, and you will find our Pick'em League. It's straight up, no points. You simply pick the winner. You, you pick it correctly, you get a point. You pick it incorrectly, you do not get a point. And at the end of the season, these are all NFL games. There's no NCAA, no local high school, none of that squirrely stuff that your local newspaper tries to pull on you. No, this is straight NFL picks. We pick every game that week, and uh, we'll review our picks uh, here on the Thursday show so that way you can know what we're picking before Thursday Night Football. And uh, I would just like to mention, for the record, the title of Pigskin Pick'em Champion has resided at the Schmidt House for two consecutive seasons, Drew. Yeah. Well, I mean, I kind of gave up halfway through. That's, that's the only reason. I was terrible but <laughs> last year, but still. <laughs> yeah, so my wife won it season one, and I actually pulled out the victory, which, let me tell you what, there's plenty of nights I slept on the couch last season. But uh, Tubby pulled it out for... Uh, last season, so that'll be interesting. And then you and I are also getting together for the at the end of the month here in September, getting together for Ohio State Penn State. Yeah, arguably going to be the game of the year, and really could decide the Big Ten East. I think those these are some of the top teams. I like Michigan as a sleeper, and you you're not a huge fan of Michigan State, but look, they have almost everybody returning, so. If they continue the run that they had last year, I think the this conference 
and this side of the conference is going to be scary. The bad thing is that's going to hurt the Big Ten in the long run, which is why I have Wisconsin number two and not anyone from the East. Yeah, I mean, if they go, if they if they do well in outside conference games and everybody in the Big Ten just rolls over everybody else in every other conference, then that'll look better for whoever comes out of the Big Ten as the mm-hmm. Big Ten champion. But I completely agree with you. It's going to be fun. Um, Drew's going to join us here throughout the year on Thursdays right here on the morning after. And, Drew, I wanted to touch with you just because I have you uh, on the line. I wanted to touch real quick with this uh, Ohio State controversy and, and about what Urban Meyer knew, what he didn't know, what he did, what he didn't do. And you had an interesting take, not so much about um, Urban Meyer per se, but about his wife. Yeah, look, it's been said in this whole situation that she knew uh, what was going to happen. Look, fine, you want to say Urban keeps his job? I'm fine. I'm not a huge fan of that, never will be, but fine. I'll take that. But honestly, the real question that I think no one is talking about is Shelly Meyer. Look, she's a nurse with the school, and if she knew this was going on and she did nothing, how does she still have a job at Ohio State? I think that's everyone knows Urban Meyer's name, and really what this gets caught on and why Shelly Meyer is kind of flying under the radar is because you follow the icon. And the icon is urban, so no one is following Shelly. And I think she is the one more than the other who needs to lose her job. Right. I, I completely agree. And, look, here's the message. You know, I mean, a lot of this gets lost in translation, and it's like it, it turns into like a he said, she said, what's documented, what's not, what's made up, what's retaliation, what have you. And you know, young women kind of get lost in the transition here. And and here's my thing. Here's my message to young women. If something like this happens, okay, continue, tell your story. Tell it loud and continue to tell it. Absolutely. Do not stop telling your story until somebody listens to you. It doesn't matter who the offender is. It doesn't matter their name. It doesn't matter their position. It doesn't matter who they're friends with. If this happens, tell your story until somebody hears you. Period. It's mm-hmm. all there is to it. And then, secondly, we as men need to raise young men better. We need to treat people better we need to set the example and we need to let the entire world know that no matter where you are what you are this type of behavior will not and shall not be tolerated at any cost period that's it done it's how i'm raising my boys you know and and it's how i'm raising my daughter i told her straight up look anything like this happens get away from the situation and tell your story done and I tell my yeah. boys, look, if you ever, you don't even ever want to raise a hand to a woman because, A, you'll have to deal with me. But, two, it doesn't matter what she says or how she comes at you. You can always walk away. Walk away and then come back and communicate later. It doesn't matter how big the fight is or what it's about. You can always walk away. 
There is no reason whatsoever why you should ever lay hands on a woman, period. Unless in a, in a tender, supportive way. But you know what I'm saying. No, it's just, this whole situation, and I know there's all <coughs> these comparisons to what happened at, at Penn State, and especially we get that here in PA, but it, it's not anywhere similar. People are comparing the... the uh, the small group of Ohio State fans who went out and, when they first was announced, went out and protested. That does remind me of a situation at Penn State after Joe was fired that the small group of, of Penn State fans who really made a ruckus downtown. But let's not put all fans into a corner like that. Because I kept seeing, oh, look at Ohio State fans. They all... This is this is all their attitude. They only care about football, and there's a large portion who of Ohio State fans who are not happy about what went down and what the punishment was. Yeah, I, I think, think the should have been yeah, I, I completely agree with you, and I think the whole timeline of what went down and what had actually happened got so convoluted in the media, and Ohio State did a really poor job of trying to clear the air, so to speak, and say, look, documented, this is what happened, this is what was said, this is what who was told, and what authorities were called. You know what I mean? Like, they could have cleared this all up right from the beginning and just opened it up and been honest and said, look, this happened at this time, so this person was called and this authority was, you know what I mean? But no, they decided to continue the smoke screen and, and just muddy the waters and then People with agendas and, and all kinds of stuff got in the mix, and it just made the entire situation worse than it really had to be. I think, too, look, the most, truthfully, the most damning of this whole thing was that press conference. The whole 10-hour wait to decide, look, let's be honest, it was, they, they came up with this decision what they were going to do within an hour, and the rest was media training, which, let's face it, didn't work out. <laughs> No. Because Urb, Urban Meyer was up there and spoke like he did not care. I don't care that he put a Twitter statement out the next day apologizing to to Miss Smith. Yeah, it's too little too late. But when the question was asked, what would you say to her? First of all, there was a, it was a two-part question. So it was about the culture, which, by the way, the culture at Ohio State was never... That was never part of the story, and never should have been part of the story. It was an individual who didn't do what he was supposed to. It was not about culture at Ohio State. But that was the first part, and then the second part was, what would you say to Courtney Smith? And so he answered the first part about culture, something that literally in the 10 hours they told him to say about it. And then he goes, what was the second question? He forgot that the most important part of this, and the reason you're in it, he forgot, first of all, so they asked the question again, and his response was, I'm sorry, we are all in this situation. Right. Well, I mean, people forget, too, he left coaching because of, like, brain issues. You know, so, I mean, his cognitive memory and, and recall, I mean. He left because of a heart issue. Well, he had brain issues, too. Just I don't saying. buy this I forgot thing, either. Well, I don't know. And like I said, it's it's a it's a blooming mess, and I'm also, gonna 
you know, I've said my piece on it. We've covered it. I'm done with it. One last thing here about Ohio State. This is mainly to the committee doing playoff. Yes. If Ohio State loses to TCU in week three. Don't send them. And then, and then Urban Meyer comes back. And if, he, if I hear anyone, media or the committee, say you shouldn't hold that loss against them because their coach wasn't there, you need to immediately lose your job. Yes. Period. I agree. If I you're agree. a committee member and that comes up even as a thought, you need to resign right away because that is a joke. Yep, because the team's bigger than one guy. And, and you know, and, and so he's only suspended from the team for one full game, like where he can't the first week. So he's not allowed to prep the team this week for their game coming up Saturday. But then after that, he's allowed to prep the team throughout the week for the games on Saturday. He just can't be on the sidelines those two Saturdays. Yeah, it's, it's a ridiculous punishment. And then amazingly he enough, that. he comes back before the Penn State game. Huh. Yeah, he, he comes the week right before. Huh. A lot of people said five games, but five games would have been missing that game. Yeah, and they weren't going to do that. Look, a kid who sells his shoes gets four games. And Urban Meyer, for a potentially criminal offense, gets three. Yeah, right? Something's broken. Yeah. Oh, yeah. NCAA, completely broken. Completely also, agree. Where have they been in all of this? Perhaps that's still the the Penn State in me. But where have they been in all this? Right. I, I don't know. I, I I'm sure there's more fallout to come. So, but Drew, we appreciate your time. Thanks for calling in, and uh, we look forward to hearing from you next Thursday. As next Thursday, Drew, you'll be in with us as we make our picks. All right. Sounds great. Thank you very much for having me. All right, Drew. Thanks a lot, buddy. We'll talk to you later. All right. Talk to you later. That was Drew Patrick all the way from Mansfield University Information of Sports or Sports Information Department over there, alum here of Edinburgh and my former broadcast partner. We're going to go ahead and take a break right here on 88.9 WFSC Fighting Scots Radio. When we come back, We'll be joined by Trey Hall of Edinburgh Football. And we'll go ahead and get uh, the preview for Lake Erie College coming up. Game one, week one. So we'll get into that and preview some of that game with him for you. And uh, also my co-host, Miss Maddie G, will be here as well. So you don't want to miss any of that. Coming up right after the break, right here on 88.9 WFSE Fighting Scots Radio. And we're back right here on 88.9 WFSE Fighting Scots Radio. This is the morning after, and I am your host, Tubby. Alongside me today, we have Trey Hall from Edinburgh Football. Trey, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for coming in. We appreciate you coming in here on a Thursday and talk a little bit about this team. Uh, well, let's start with you first. You're a senior now, right? Been here a while? Yep, been a senior. Uh, you're a uh, human performance major? Yep, HPE uh, with a concentration and uh, oh yeah, HPE with a concentration in human performance. Yep. Awesome. Uh, so you've been here, you've been with the team, uh, you were here um, for that Owen for everything season, um, you've been through the transition with Lustig, and now on to Coach Bradford who's entering his second year, but actually it's like his, excuse me, I want to say like 20th year with the team. 
Um, how confident are you going in to this season? I mean, like you said, we've been through a lot. I've been through all the seniors here. Have been through the 0-11, the nine and two, the seven and four, and we have a lot of seniors this year. We have almost 20. So us as a senior group, we have a lot of confidence, and we're ready for the season to get rolling. I mean, we have a lot to prove wrong. I mean, will they pick us fourth in the in the preview for the PSAC uh, West? So we are confident in our abilities as a team, and we're just really excited to get this season rolling. Yeah, I was a little bit bitter. I talked a l- briefly about it on Tuesday's show, and I said how they picked you guys. Not only did they pick you fourth, but they picked you fourth behind Slippery Rock. And that, like, uh, to me, Slippery Rock is Edinburgh's biggest rival because, A, not only are they close in proximity-wise, but also they're another state-funded school. You know, they're not private. They don't have all the extra money that some of these other private schools in the PSAC that we face do. So they're, like, our closest competitor and to be picked fourth behind them like that just it sticks in my craw it rubs me the wrong way yeah i definitely agree with you because especially because we'd be in the last two years now so and for them to pick slippery rock over us is definitely not sitting well in our stomachs as a team so we're just going to use that more as internal motivation and just keep pounding through the season until we get to them now your position you're you're the middle linebacker yes okay so Talk a little bit about trying to play because when I hear when we talk about the defense, a lot of it comes down to the big fellas up front, and then we talk about the no fly zone behind you with your DBs and your safeties. So talk about from your perspective there as the linebacker in the middle of the field, kind of like looking over it all. What do you see? I mean, like you said, the D line you get a lot from them, and they're a huge factor, especially for a linebacker because. Our play is impacted on how they play. If they can hold up those uh, offensive linemen and take up some double teams and get some pressure, it really frees us to be able to slow our play down and not have to worry about being pressured by the offensive line. And like, then also you said the DBs behind us have been great for them in the past, the no-fly zone. So that really helps us because we know they have our back in specific coverages. So we know if we end up cheating up a little too much for the run, I got some help back there to really help me from getting beat. Right, especially with those, because a lot of I noticed a lot in in PSAC play. There's not not a whole lot of teams stretch the field, mm-hmm. right? There, there's not a whole lot of teams that are throwing that deep ball unless they get desperate. Um, a lot of the plays are slants, skinny posts, over the middle, short five within that five to ten yard span. Yeah, they def- they definitely try to pick on the seams and get those linebackers in that mismatch because that's what they look for. Um, and with having such great DBs back there, they can really help us in that play. Right, and you guys are – I mean, you guys are no slouches there in the middle with the linebackers. You guys cover sideline to sideline, and you get there quicker than a hiccup. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough position to play, but we love it. I mean, you you got to be able to go in the trenches, and then you got to be able to cover in, in, in the back end too. So you got to be ready for a good battle physically. All right, so now that you've been uh, – you guys are through camp and you're now into your first week preparation. Install was Tuesday. Now you guys are moving forward. It's now Thursday. Hayes in the barn. You're about ready to go. How excited are you just to hit somebody with a different color jersey on? Oh, it's so exciting. Like you said, camp. Camp's a grind, man. And you just get to hit the same guys every day. You're going against the same players. And it just gets frustrating hitting your own guys because you don't want to absolutely try to kill them because you want to keep your team healthy. So it's just going to be really exciting to actually hit a guy in a different color jersey and not have to hold back or anything. 
now you guys had um, been playing, you know, practicing against our offense. Our offense is up tempo, no huddle, uh, continuous movement. What have you seen um, as a defensive player trying to defend against our offense? How does our offense look this year? I think the offense should be good. I mean, we got a good couple returners on the offensive line and in the and as receivers as well. And going against those guys every day, you know, we notice their keys. We're practicing every day, so we we pick up on their stuff. So we try to make practice harder than a game situation would actually be. So I think the offense has a good chance of being very successful again this year. Right, you guys got Walter Fletcher, the number two running back in the entire nation for Division Two returning that's got to be a a good confidence booster and uh then on the outside you got clark and you got tanaz gregory two definite non-slouchers just absolute burners on the outside yeah definitely i mean fletch is a great back and just knowing that we have that as a run game can really help open up our pass game because so many people are going to try to get in the box and try to stop fletch and just going to create more opportunities out in the in the uh, wide receiver spot now, Andrew Tomko was, was named the starting quarterback here earlier this week going into, into week one. What have you seen out of him uh, going into camp and coming out of camp as a quarterback? Um, definitely noticed this year he's had a lot more confidence in himself, which is good because, I mean, this is going to be his first year starting. So that's what we need to look at him is confidence. And he's definitely going to be a good leader out there and just help kind of get the pace of the game going. He's athletic, so he can move with his legs if need be. So he can really add a run threat, too, as well as a pass threat. Now, I said I said this on air Tuesday, and I put it out on Twitter yesterday. There's some guys that play quarterback, and then there's some guys that just are a quarterback. And when I met Andrew Tomko, and I kind of looked at him, and I was like, wow, this kid is a quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he just he just looks the part, big, tall, Strong arm guy um, in the spring game, the red and white game. I saw a lot more poise out of him. You know, he looked like he had more control over the offense. Last year, he did sub in for Jake, um, uh, former quarterback Jake Sisson, as uh, Jake went out with a concussion. I believe he was out for like a game and a half, mm-hmm. I think, in the pr- a concussion protocol. And he, he performed well in those two games. So, uh, I, you know, I. From from an outsider's look in on the team, I completely agree with you. I think he's going to do very well. I think he's going to do a lot of good things for this team going forward. Um, last year, you're, let's talk a little bit about your opponent now coming up, Lake Erie College. Last year, they came here into our house, and you guys just pretty much shut them down and just wore the dog crap out of them. So how are you looking at it this year coming in? I mean, we don't know a lot about them this year because they've gone through a couple new coaches and they had some in the spring that aren't back in the fall. So we're really just kind of sticking to our game plan and just really trying to execute because, like I said, we don't know what exactly they're going to run offensively. So we don't, we're just game planning of how we think what they're going to uh, do and just go out there and execute to the best of our abilities. So they were picked, uh, looking at their, their website, thelakeeriestorm.com, uh, Lake Erie football team was picked eighth in the 2018 GMAC, which is the Great Midwest Athletic Conference coaches preseason poll. There's only nine teams in the conference, so they were picked second to last in that. And uh, they have a good running back who's returning, Antoine Harris. Uh, he led the team with 517 yards rushing on 114 carries, averages about four and a half yards a carry, 
and has two TDs. Uh, and then they have a, a few defensive standouts. But So I think they're going to be more of a – if I remember correctly from last year, they tried to mix it up, but they really tried to rely they're, – they're a run-heavy team. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think they're going to try to pound the ball, and that's what they're going to be – that's what their go-to going to be. Their whole game is just run, run, run. So that's that's going to make your uh, your substitutions online and in, in, in the linebacking core going to be key. Um, talk a little bit about how your your substitutions work and and your attitude as opposed to like on or waiting to get on. I mean, we do a great job here at subbing because with the fast up paced tempo of college football nowadays, you have to keep your guys fresh. Not every guy can go in there and play 90 plays straight on the defensive end. That's tough. Not many of them can do that. So what we do is we just try to keep them fresh, keep them rotated. That way everyone's out there almost at full go, so no one's really tired. And if we see somebody tired, we get them out. Because, I mean, we want our guys on there that have full energy and can give 100% each play. Right. And the cool thing I like about Coach Neely and, and, and your defense, when you guys sub out, like sometimes there's tendency on some teams – and you see it a lot more probably in high school than you do college level. But here at Burrow, when you sub in and out, there's no deterioration as far as talent level goes. Like, so you, you sub out Baloo, you bring in another guy, and it and it's the same talent level. Like, you're not dropping at all. So you're basically getting clones in and out all the time. Yeah, that, that definitely helps when we have pretty much two deep guys who could be starters. But, I mean... That's it. Tremendously helps us because the next guy up, we know can get the job done and get the job done well. Right. Awesome. So we're looking forward to that. You guys will make the short. This is like, I think it's like a two and a half hour drive. Yeah, I don't even think it. I think it's more like an hour and forty five minutes. It's not too far. Maybe, well, maybe it's just me because I drive from Titusville, but it's it's not that far. It's just over the border in Painesville, about midway point between Cleveland and Edinburgh. I know because I drive it all the time when I go over there to watch my Browns lose. So, uh, yeah, so we'll go ahead and we'll take another break right here on 88.9 WFSE Fighting Scots Radio. We're on with Trey Hall of the Edinburgh Fighting Scots football team. When we come back, Trey, we're going to talk a little bit about the NFL. Down for some of that action? Yeah, definitely. All right, so we'll get into the NFL. We'll talk maybe a little bit about the new helmet-to-helmet rule. And maybe what you've seen, you get a chance to watch a little bit of preseason football? Yeah, I watched a little bit. All right, so we'll get in and we'll talk about preseason football and what we can look forward to right here on 88.9 WFSE Fighting Scots Radio. This is The Morning After. And we're back right here on 88.9 WFSE Fighting Scots Radio. It is now 9.57 here in the morning. So if you got a 10 a.m. class, best get a move on because you're late. Uh, other than that, we're here with Trey Hall of Edinburgh Fighting Scots Football and also Matty G down on the corner getting ready to talk some NFL football. So, Trey, you got a chance to see a little bit in, in preseason. Um, you told us a little bit off the air. Your team is the Baltimore Ravens. Yep. Which I now hate you. <laughs> By the way, you team-stealing thieves. I hope Art Modell's tossing. But anyway... Uh, what did you see so far in preseason out of your Ravens? I mean, what I really looked for in preseason was wide receivers because in the past we've really lacked that explosive player. And then I also was watching, obviously, Lamar Jackson, which is the big talk of 
because we've had Joe Flacco for numerous years right now. Who's super and, overrated. And I agree with that. And <laughs> we overpaid him, and he almost tanked our whole organization after his one good uh, playoff Super Bowl run. So, I mean, I'm just hoping that, I mean, I think we should just start Joe and just develop Lamar a little bit more and not throw him out there like the Browns did with Johnny Football. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, that they're not ready yet. they got to get used to the tempo and just for him to learn and learn and kind of develop more into his abilities and just get more familiarized with the style of the NFL because it's so much different than college. So I'm just hoping they don't throw him right in the action expect him to be a superstar from the beginning. What I'm hearing coming out of Baltimore is they're going to try to use Lamar Jackson more like a, a wildcat mm-hmm. type of deal, like the Browns tried to use Josh Cribbs for a while there, where they tried to bring him in, mix up some plays, and they'll have like specific plays drawn up for him. But I, you know, I tend to I tend to lean to your side of thinking. I think they need to just after this fourth preseason game, just sit him, just sit down, carry a clipboard. Watch Joe Flacco work. Realize that when you get in the offense, that because of his tool sets are a little bit different than Joe's, mm-hmm. the offense is probably going to look a little bit different. But I, I completely agree. I hope they sit him because um, he's he's a really talented guy. I liked him coming out of college. I was surprised that he went so late. Yeah, I mean he's very athletic too, and I'd hate to see them throw him in there and have him not learn that NFL hits hurt. So I would hate to see him go in there and just try to be able to run through everybody and end up getting hurt like RG3 did. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that's just where it comes from knowledge. He's got to learn to play the game sm- a little smarter than from college. So, I mean, they could utilize him in some situations possibly, but I think the best scenario would be just to hold him out for the season and kind of build him, build his knowledge and get him into the system. Because I'm sure once he becomes the go-to guy, they might have to – uh, change a few things because his style of play is so different than Joe Flacco. Yeah, a- absolutely, just, just different. And here's the thing about Baltimore: Baltimore doesn't need like the the basis or the like if you want to call it like the Raven way, right? Kind of like they call it the Steeler way, like Steeler mm-hmm. football, right? So the Raven way of doing business is having a lockdown outstanding defense and then all you need is marginal quarterback play you need a game manager in a quarterback just enough to like keep the first downs rolling chew the clock up score some points give the defense a rest and then let the defense go out and shut them down for three downs yeah i definitely agree with that we've never been an offensive team that's going to put up 40 points to 30 points a game we always depend on our defense to play pretty well and hold their offense to minimum points and that way just keep our offense like you said just moving the ball eat up some clock we got Justin Tucker back there can hit a field goal from just about anywhere so I mean that really helps our offensive style is when we know as soon as we're getting to like the 40 we're almost in range of three points every time right I mean you guys won a Super Bowl ring with the king of mediocrity Trent stinking Dilfer yeah. <laughs> Trent Dilfer has a ring because of your defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a perfect example of how our defenses have been very successful in the past. So disgusting, by the way. I just, <laughs> as, as a lifelong Browns fan, remembering how my heart was ripped out and stepped on when the team moved to Baltimore. Just cheese and crackers, okay? <laughs> that's, that's all I'm legally allowed to say on air right now is cheese 
and crackers. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be frustrating for you guys. Now, how do you feel as a Ravens fan? Because they talk about the media talks about the rivalry is now between Pittsburgh and Baltimore. Do you, as a somebody who who you know from the Baltimore area, do you feel that rivalry, or or, or do you just feel like okay, well, they're our best competition, so I want to beat them? I feel like it's a rivalry because if you look at all the past games we've played. All of them have been within most. Most of them have been within three points or a touchdown. So they've all been very close games, no matter who has the better team that year. And it's just a great rivalry in football. They all, they say they don't like each other, but it's they really play respectful football, which I think, in my perspective, they they just play great football. And then at the end, they all shake hands after and give give their respect and give their dues where it's needed. See, I. Maybe it's just the old Browns fan in me, and I just, to me, for the entire fan base, like, the better rivalry for me was Cleveland-Pittsburgh because the two areas were so similar. Mm-hmm. Both, of, both of them were in uh, what we call now the Rust Belt, but both of them were in the steel industry. Both of them blue-collar, hard-working, uh, just very relatable. The two populations of the two cities were... Um, very relatable because both have strong ties, uh, not only to the Polish community, but also the German community, too. It was really big in those two areas of Cleveland and Pittsburgh. And when I look at Baltimore, and I'm almost ashamed to, to say this because you're a rather large guy sitting next to me, but I said, you know, that Pittsburgh really has nothing to do with the crab cake eaten plush guys of Charm City in Baltimore. I mean, for me, I think it's more because I grew up watching the Ravens my entire life, and I've had them always around, and they've always played the Steelers. So I just, for me, exactly, I just grew up with that rivalry. So to me, that's what I see. I see is Baltimore versus Steelers, and I always see it's a great game. They always play each other so well, and like I said, I mean, you grew up as them playing each other, and I'm just from a different era. (sighs) That's scary. That just, Maddie, do you know how old that makes me feel? Um, 20. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I wish. I wish I felt like... Because right now, I feel like I need some herbal tea and a nap. You know what I mean? <laughs> like... Me too. I mean, is Price is Right on yet? Can I just... Can I curl up on the couch and take my nap? Watch Price is Right with Bob Barker? Not Drew Carey? <laughs> but anyway, I... Oh, my Lord. I'm old. But yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, I see I see your point of it, and, and I get that perspective. I just... Ugh. I know. Maybe it's just because I want my team to be better, and I've waited so long for them to look decent. Have you seen any of the Hard Knocks episodes? Uh, I have not. I've been pretty busy with football camp and oh, so you think the so. towers. We don't really have much of an option of what to watch there. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, the Hard Knocks has the basically the entire nation fired up about the Cleveland Browns, and um, there's some local heroes in it. The offensive line coach coach wiley and his giant gut <laughs> every time he says hut and it moves um I, I feel for that dude because was that guy but he's like the most interesting guy in sports like he used to he's a veteran used to fly jet planes has his own planes he drives a maserati really a maserati <laughs> like i can bener- barely pronounce it correctly let alone attempt to afford one holy cheese and crackers but uh Anyway, and he plays the drums. He's like a jazz drummer or something. I don't know. Just crazy. Crazy, crazy guy. Uh, 
And then uh, they got this tight end that they're following, uh, Kajus. And he's he's hilarious. He's like a spiritual dude. And he's like into like rock energy and stuff and crystals and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Not that there's anything wrong with it. I know a ton of people who are into that earthology type of deal and connected spirits. So I get it. But it just it's kind of funny because he's a tight end and, you know, they're trying to get him to be violent in his blocking and all this stuff. And he just he comes off as like this peacenik hippie type of dude and like <laughs> you, you know there's like a, a great juxtaposition there between where he is spiritually and holistically as a dude and then like what his job is yeah where well, he's got to find like where he needs to flip the switch be like okay off the field i can be all about my spiritual but on the field i'm doing my job and it's got to be physical yeah i got to be violent you know i it, it kind of reminds me a little bit um of your buddy ethan up Uppercoe. Yeah. Right, because Uppercoe, I, I love that kid. He's awesome, and I remember he, I interviewed him last year, and he was talking about, yeah, I just kind of got in the groove, and I, you know, I really felt the flow of the game, and really just got into it and stuff. And he's like, he's he's a force. He's completely violent, like coming off as end. Yeah, he he definitely is. He's he's a very aggressive kid, and great kid. We all love him. He's got a great personality off the field. You never know how violent he can truly get on the field. Yeah, he's just oh, he's, he's a powder keg, just poised to go off. So that's going to be fun to watch. But yeah, anyway, so we were talking about hard knocks, and it was just funny. And they were uh, uh, it, they showed the game. Uh, the the Browns beat the Eagles five nothing. Right, defense pitched a shutout, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the kicker made the field goal right and Todd Haley the offensive coordinator the kicker's coming off the field and he says great job you f-bomb kicker (laughs) and I'm like oh my god (laughs) like really like that's how you're gonna cheer your guy up like you're gonna call him an f-bomb kicker okay that makes absolute sense and then uh one of the big fights was between Greg Williams and Todd Haley and Todd Haley was screaming, good teams on defense don't touch their quarterback in practice. To which Greg Williams said, well, then block them then. Somebody's got to block them. <laughs> but there was a lot more curse words in there. Yeah. And uh, it was just hilarious. So, I mean, it's I, it's fun for me. This is the first time I've ever watched Hard Knocks. I've never watched any of the previous ones. Um, and as a Browns fan, I think it's exciting. It's kind of cool. To, to look behind the curtain a little bit in Berea and what goes on. I mean, you don't get to see everything. I'm sure there's like hundreds of hours of tape of mm-hmm. stuff that's just left on the cutting room floor, but that's just how it is. And uh, it, it's kind of neat. Yeah, I think Hard Knocks is an awesome concept because it really shows a different perspective of football that people don't see, like the behind the scenes. And like you said, I'm sure they do cut some things out there because they don't want to show air some of the things that actually go on but it's it's really neat that they can do that and show these guys grind and then it's also kind of you get you feel the emotions of these players as it's their job and some of these guys are fighting for their spot because i mean they only hold a 53-man roster so i mean it's sad when you grow an attachment to one of the guys that you really like and then they end up getting cut right exactly and it kind of i mean like you watch these guys on sundays or thursdays or whenever you happen to watch their games and you know it's almost like watching you dehumanize them a little bit. You know, it's almost like, you know, you're thinking of them like a video game, like like as another avatar on uh, Madden or something. And 
watching the show kind of really humanize and be like, oh, underneath all the pads and the jersey, there's a real dude in there. Like, there's a guy, and he's got, like, he's got a wife, and he's got kids, and he's got bills, and he's got concerns, you know? Yeah, like, people realize, people don't realize that these guys actually have a life and a family, and their job is to support their family. And they just go out there on sat- I mean, on Sundays and expect them just to go out there and kill each other and put up big numbers and make big plays. But in reality, Hard Knock shows that these guys also are human beings as well. They have a normal life. They have kids. They have bills to pay. They're just they're trying. Not every player in the NFL makes $20 million a year. So they're all just trying to get their job done so they can be able to afford and pay their bills and help their family. Right, exactly. 9-11, or sorry, 10-11 here on 88.9 WFSE Fighting Scots Radio. Uh, this is the morning after. We're joined by Trey Hall. And down on the end is my co-host, Miss Maddie G. Hello, which I haven't said a lot today. You haven't. I've been here the whole time, I promise. Yeah, she has. She's been working behind the scenes. She's got the, the schedule up and ready and, you know, basically doing what a sports director does, yeah. being my boss. <laughs> and just your boss. Um, Tubby, she is. And okay, so I gotta give a little backstory before uh, I go on to this. But before, when we were on commercial break, Tubby said, "Maddie, you don't have, a, have an NFL team, do you?" Because as you, if you've been following the morning after, I picked all my sports teams last semester. Uh, so I got Pittsburgh for baseball, and New York for hockey. Well, the Rangers for hockey because there's like eight New York teams. Um, don't have anything for soccer yet. We'll get there. Mm-hmm. We'll get there. But NFL was a big one because it was coming up, and we didn't know. We so didn't I know. I didn't know. So, Tubby, I have picked an NFL team. Oh, Lord. I have. Okay, so background a little further. Um, <laughs> this is going to get long. Um, so, my my Rangers are my Rangers because I'm named after Madison Square Garden. Uh-huh. Influenced, right? Yeah. My dad was a big Rangers fan. That was my influence. Pittsburgh is my baseball team. My grandfather on my mom's side was drafted to the Pirates. Didn't get to play because of health issues, but my influence. Correct. Got it. Okay. NFL. So this is going to be emotional and lengthy. Um, It's fine. It's a two-hour show. I mean, we got 45 minutes left in the show. Take all the time you need. So back in July, I lost my grandparents, and Mm -hmm. my grandfather was a big Jacksonville fan. So I think I'm going to take that influence, and that's going to be my team. Going to go with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I am. The good thing is is that, A, they're in Florida. They are in Florida. So the weather's nice. It is. <laughs> and second, secondly, the tickets are cheap. And they're always available. If I could get to Florida, that'd be... Well, I'm just <laughs> saying that, like, okay, for example, for example, the opening day game, which I am going to, which, by the way, I'm sorry, Trey, I'm not going to be able to make it to Bloomsburg. Sorry. It's all right. But I am going to Cleveland because I'm going over there Saturday night. So I'll be there Sunday morning for the first NFL real game when it counts. Cleveland Browns versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. Right? I got my tickets early. And I got them from a reseller who's a a close personal friend of mine. I got them for a steal. Okay? Looked online. Right? Cheapest tickets I could find. For nosebleed, row 32 in section 538, okay? Which means there ain't no more rows. You're at the tippy top of the stadium. Now, granted, there's not a bad seat in the house at First Energy Stadium in Cleveland. However, 
the players do look a little bit smaller. Just saying. Row 32, guess how much they want for a ticket? 120 bucks. That is like 70 bucks more than face value. Like face value, they're 50 bucks. So they want like 70 bucks over that. Just to sit in the nosebleeds. Just to watch one game. Whereas I'm pretty sure, Maddie, you could get a plane ticket. But what you would spend for two tickets to go to that game alone, you could get a plane ticket to Jacksonville and fairly decent seats at Jacksonville Stadium. I'm just saying, economically, you made the correct choice. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Tommy. And, and apparently they're not that bad of a football team. I mean, no, don't they, they have Bortles? Down, isn't Bortles the guy down there? Yep, Blake Bortles is the guy. Yep, he's been there for a while. All right. So now I'm going to expect you to make... Like, do full research on, on the Jags there, Miss Maddie. Um, I'm looking at their preseason scores currently. <laughs> um, <laughs> they have won two of the three games they've played in preseason. I know, to Chubby, that doesn't count. but um, No, because we won all of our preseason games last year and went 0-16. <laughs> so I don't want to hear about how preseason matters. Tonight they have another game, though, so I'll make sure I watch that or keep an eye on it. It's fine. If, if you can't find it, on, let me know. I can, I can direct you to a website to where you can watch it. I know places. I know people. Okay, all right. <laughs> I can I can get you what you need. I got the hookup. I know a guy. I'm just I'm just sad. Mr. Athletics isn't here to hear my final pick. <sighs> he had class. Well, Trey, do you know our good friend, Mr. Athletics, Trey Staunch? Yep, yeah, uh, good friend of uh, Staunch's. <laughs> That's what we call him here on the show is Mr. Athletics, since he does uh, not only football but also played for the basketball team last year. I'm not sure if he's going to dual sport it up this year as well. You can ask him. I think, I think it has to do with eligibility. I think he still has a few semesters left of eligibility. So he might be okay. So that'll be cool to get him in studio at some point. If not, maybe we'll just have to grab him after and be like, yo, sit down and do this interview. <laughs> I know we're working on it for I am sports director. So I had a meeting with Trey yesterday. We're working on it. We're going to get him on air. Promise. Good job, boss lady. We'll keep you updated on when that might be. With his schedule, it might mm. be like midnight, but we're going to get him on. <laughs> yeah, we'll just send a phone. We'll just have him call in from the bus ride. <laughs> yeah. Like, yo, you got two hours on the bus with nothing to do. Do your show. <laughs> okay. We'll do it like, on the way home. <laughs> on the way home. Because when we go on the bus, we're about business. Mm-hmm. Everybody about business. We're focusing about what we're what we're doing, what our plays are going to be, what our keys are. I've been on that bus. That bus is like graveyard quiet on the way over. Like everybody is locked in. I feel that's how it is for all the teams, really. We For yeah. basketball, when I travel with basketball, that's kind of how it is as well. Yeah. Um, they might pop on a movie, but everybody's kind of in their own zone. Yeah, only winners get movies. <laughs> I remember making that statement. It was kind of funny. Because it was on the way back when uh, Drew and I rode the bus back from Indy. Remember when we went to Indiana to play the season opener like three years ago? It was like a nine-hour bus ride. Yeah, that was a very long trip. Ugh. That killed me. Nine hours on the bus. I know. Maddie's looking at me like, really? Really, Tubby? Because I spent, what, 24? Yeah, I was like, she spent like almost a day and a half on the bus with the basketball team because of the snowstorm and stuff. It was great. It was it was an experience, a fun time, a memory. A memory <laughs> you don't want to have again. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's good for it. I'm gonna so. check the weather before going with them this year. Any chance of snow? Mm, I don't know if I want to go. 
No, I'll go. Don't well, it, it, it's your prerogative as sports director. You get to assign. No, which I'll means go. you get to pick all the juicy assignments, like the ones you really want to go to. <laughs> I usually pick mine on, like, when I was sports director, I picked mine based on food. Like, where I, <laughs> like, like where I knew they could get the best grub. Oh. I was a little disappointed when I went with, to Virginia with the girls' basketball team. Not only because they lost, but because I was expecting Josh Coffer and I went. And, like, the whole way down, we talked about getting, like, good barbecue. Because we were going below the Mason-Dixon line. Like, right? Like, south. I mean, you're from Maryland. You know, right? You get a little bit south or whatever. You get towards that Mason-Dixon line. You get the good barbecue, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm thinking Virginia in Virginia City, Virginia. Like, yo, there's got to be good barbecue. Apparently, too many darn Yankees came down there and messed it up for everybody. And there ain't no barbecue within, like, 45 minutes of the place. (laughs) So, at least good barbecue. Hands down. All right. Because we're on the subject of barbecue. <laughs> I think we've had this conversation multiple times before. I don't care. I'm going to say it again because <laughs> I know we're recording. So I know it'll be recorded and it'll be on the podcast and everybody can hear it. Which, by the way, if you missed any part of the show and you'd like to re-listen to it or you'd like to hear it again, go to edinburghnow.com. That's our website. Click on podcast. You'll see the morning after podcast along with the other podcasts. Uh, it won't turn off. Which is a more pop culture centered uh, comic gaming gaming kind of. centric. So it's it's check it out. It's cool. Yeah, it's it's, 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 it's interesting. It's done by a one Britain Roselle. Make sure you check that out. Um, also, I believe Subverse is a shoot Subverse is up there as well. I think they do some recordings as well. So check that out. But the morning after will be there on edinburghnow.com. Or if you have to be moving away from your radio, you're getting out of your car, you're getting ready to go to class, don't worry. You can check us out on the TuneIn app. Just open up the TuneIn app. It's a free application on all mobile devices. Type in 88.9 WFSE and boom, you got us. Because we are Campus Media. We are everywhere you are. Okay, now back to barbecue. Make sure you check out when you're on Edinburgh now, checking out the morning after you check out all the rest of the content that's on Edinburgh now as well. Yeah, We've got sports, our news. sports, news, arts, everything you can think of for um, the newspaper. The first issue will be out next Thursday or this coming Thursday. Not today, but a week from today. Um, so make sure you're checking out stories. I believe they go up on Wednesday nights. So if you want to get ahead of the crowd, that will get the papers out Thursday. Wednesday nights, the content will be on when, uh, mm-hmm. online. And also you can find links to ETV and the broadcast stuff on ETV. Um, so I know this weekend they're doing tomorrow night and Saturday, the volleyball games. So if you're looking to watch volleyball and for some reason can't get to Macomb Fieldhouse, check it out. I'll be on the call both night, both Friday and Saturday. So that's Friday at seven and then Saturday Saturday at noon noon and four at noon and four. Yeah. But in the meantime, Chris and Luke will be on the call for the Lake Erie college game. Mm hmm. And that'll start at noon. And then at 2 o'clock at Sox Harrison is soccer. Which you will be able to read about and see pictures of mm-hmm. in The Spectator. In The Spectator. I'll All right, so barbecue. 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 Best barbecue I ever had, Trey. Hattiesburg, Mississippi, just outside, about maybe 15 miles outside of Hattiesburg, Mississippi. In a Texaco gas station. Miss Nellie's Barbecue. Little old lady. Must have 85 to 89 if she's a day. <laughs> if she's a day, she's that old. But in the backside of this 
gas station. She had her smokehouse. It had been there for what she told me was a coon's age. No lie. And I, it was just the most amazing pulled pork barbecue sandwich I ever had. And it, oh, from the sauce to the texture to the rub to everything in it, best barbecue I ever ate. Hands down. Best barbecue I ever had was down in Texas. I have some family around the Houston area. Mm-hmm. So we get to this place at like 8 a.m. because that's when they open. They're open for only, they're open until 8 until they sell out, and they normally sell out by 11. And they cook it all night. They just, it's a little shed in like a little, like, can, like, like a, like a shopping center just like this little small place with a bunch of smokers around it and we got there we got their brisket we got ribs we got pulled pork we go we tried to get every item possible and it was just all the the sauce was fantastic the meat was just so tender just falling off the bone like it was just i've never had anything like it i just can't even eat barbecue after having such good food like that right so like like okay so you so you draw on that memory right like that's when like when you're walking through campus here in like January when you come back for the first debris, you know, and the snow's like waist high, you know, and the bitter wind is in your face. Like that's the memory I draw on to get mm-hmm. me through the snow up here, right? Yep. And then I can't even go back to eating barbecue because it's like just everything else is just a letdown after having that because I just get the image in my like head. It's just like, oh, all I can think of is that great barbecue head down in Texas. Is this going to get anywhere close? And most of the time it's not even close. Right? It's kind of like it's kind of like when you were a kid and you really wanted that Power Rangers action figure, but then uh your parents didn't quite get it, so they got you like Global Force action figure. <laughs> so it kind of looks like this Power Ranger, but it ain't a Power Ranger and mm-hmm. only you know that it's not a Power Ranger and you're like, "You're not a Power Ranger." <laughs> right? Yep, that's exactly it. Okay. Yeah. Cuz that's how I feel every time. Disappointment. If I had the money to go back, Maddie, I'm telling you, I'd bring you back up some, and then you would know why. Okay. Best barbecue I've ever had? Yes. I work at a barbecue restaurant. I gotta be biased. It's also really good food, so it's up in New York. So. It's up in New York? Is it yeah. over by Buffalo? No. It's where I live. I sent oh. you pictures. I sent you the location. We'll go. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You did, because the mm-hmm. wife was like, yo, we need to go, and then we realized we were broke. We'll go. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. We will do that, because I will take pictures. I will okay. gladly take pictures. Of me and some barbecue. If you have barbecue suggestions, <laughs> you can get at me on Twitter at GW Schmidt. I'll be glad to check them out, especially for the local area. I'm not opposed. There's a new. Uh, there's actually a new barbecue joint in Titusville, and I have yet to eat there. Okay, let's go there too. Okay. Trey, you want to go to a barbecue place with us? Yeah, man. All right. He's down. We'll cool. bring the whole football team. Why not? Well, then bring them on down. I'll have to call ahead though, because I don't know uh, exactly how many they have. So. I know it's a small place. It's locally sourced meat, so we'll see what happens. All righty, we'll go ahead and take a break because this is definitely going off the rails here on the morning after on 88.9 WFSE Fighting Scots Radio. We'll be right back after the break, and we'll talk about we'll talk about the new contact rule in the NFL with the helmet to helmet and leading and not leading and all that stuff and kind of see how that trickles down through not only from the NFL but also – down through the college ranks and into, uh, well, I guess youth sports as well. So don't miss any of that. Coming up right after the break right here on 88.9 WFSC Fighting Scots Radio. 
Support for WFSC is provided in part by Bonnell's Auto Group, including Bonnell's Collision in Erie and Fairview, Bonnell's Auto Glass in Fairview, Bonnell's Auto Sales in Erie and Fairview, and Bonnell's Rod Shop in Fairview. Information on each service is on the web at bonnellsauto.com. Hi, I'm Lana Clawson, a farmer in Satanta, Kansas. The agriculture industry has come a long way. Advancements in science and technology have transformed the sector creating new job opportunities and a demand for highly skilled workers. I am proud to support the next generation of ag leaders through the America's Farmers Grow Ag Leaders program sponsored by the Monsanto Fund. Each year, farmers can help local students by endorsing them for a $1,500 Grow Ag Leaders scholarship. The scholarship allows students to pursue their dreams of studying an agriculture-related field. Each year, the program provides more than a half million dollars to students enrolling in trade schools, and at two- and four-year colleges and universities. A variety of fields are eligible, including farming, education, agronomy, engineering, mathematics, data science, communications, and many more. I encourage high school seniors and college students to apply today by visiting growagleaders.com. FFA membership is not required. Whoa, long time no see. It's me, the rock t-shirt in the back of your closet. Dude, remember? You crowd surfed in me, man. But you haven't worn me in like forever. I get it, you're retired, but I still got some rock left in me. So take me to Goodwill, where I can really make a difference. Your donations to Goodwill create jobs, training programs, and education assistance for people in your community. To find your nearest donation center, go to goodwill.org. Donate stuff, create jobs. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. And we're back right here on 88.9 WFSE Fighting Scots Radio. This is the morning after. It's 10.33. So if you had a 10 a.m. class, you have missed it. I'm sorry. Take the L on that one. You are not getting credit for showing up. I can tell you that right now. So, but if you do have an 11 11 a.m. class, you still got plenty of time. You can put on your big people pants and get on out the door and make it to class on time. I'm joined here on the morning after with my co-host and boss lady, Miss Maddie G, and also Trey Hall from the Edinburgh Fighting Scots football team right here in studio. So I've been kind of wa- dancing around this issue a little bit. The new helmet-to-helmet rule, right, in the NFL. And at first it was like this big, ugly monster, and they were throwing flags all over the place in the early preseason. Now they've kind of calmed down. They backed it off a little bit, but it's still kind of present. Um, Trey, how do you see that, like, changing tackling, as it were? I mean, tackling is hard as it is. You're coming full speed at somebody, and your initial thought is, I got to take this guy to the ground. You're not thinking of where your head placement should be or how to tackle them. So, I mean, right there, it makes it a difficult task. And then... Now with the new rule, you can't lead at all with any part of like the top of the helmet or the crown of the helmet. It's it's tough. I mean, you saw in preseason some of these guys made actually clean tackles and they were throwing flags on it, and it just makes you really frustrated. Especially me as a defensive player, where we like to hit people, and it's part of the game. I, I get people want to make it safer, and which they should. I mean, it, it's a physical game, and you can really limit some of the bad hits, but. Some of the clean ones they've just been throwing flags on. It's just been really taking the taking tackling out of the game. Right. Like I tell my kids, I tell my sons this all the time. You can't hit what you can't see. 
So you got to keep your eyes up and you got to watch it the whole way through. It's almost like it's like catching a baseball. You got to watch it into your glove, kind of like you got to watch the guy into your arms to to make the tackle. But it's I, I you know, as a father and not really a coach, but you know, as somebody that sees multiple levels of football, and I'm just like, yo, what do I tell? Like, how do I explain this? You know, how do I try to tell? I guess just tackle until you get penalized for it. You know, you know, I like, I don't know what else to tell them at this point. Yeah, it's going to be tough. I mean, we're going to have to see if this is just preseason. They're just trying to set the standard out there of like, hey, any hits that are bad, we're going to call them this year. I mean, we'll have to see if it carries over into the regular season. And if they're calling them the way they have in the preseason, I think a lot of fans are going to be very disappointed with the game because, I mean, it's it's a physical game. People watch football because it's a gladiator sport they don't watch it because it's soft and they just are two-hand touching people I mean they're looking for big hits and that's what gets the fans excited but you can do big hits with a clean tackle at the same time yeah completely agree I mean if they want to watch a finesse sport they'll watch baseball mm-hmm. I mean baseball is all finesse and uh yeah there's some collisions in it and there's some um, but mo- most likely it's it's finesse, and that, even that game has changed. Ugh, let's not get on to that one. But anyhow, I stick mostly central uh, football. As do you think it it, it has like a trickle down effect? Like when the when the NFL makes these changes to the rules, do you see it as a, as an NCAA player? Do you see like some like the NCAA kind of like adopting to like what the NFL has set forward, or we have a similar rule in play, which is the targeting rule. But the difference between targeting and the NFL and colleges, if you get targeting, you're immediately uh, uh, disqualified for the game. And if it's before half, they have the ability to review it. I mean, at least at Division Two level, because we don't have instant replays and stuff like mm-hmm. um, like the big time SEC and Big Ten does. So. If you get, if they call targeting on you immediately, you're, you're disqualified. You have to leave the field and stay in the locker room. And then at halftime, they can review it and look at the play and see if it actually was, and then they can reinstate you. But if it is, you're suspended for that game. And if you're suspended from the second half, you miss the whole next game too. So they just get, they don't even give you like a warning. You get one and done in college. Oh, it's so hard. It's so weird. I um. I mean, I I don't like debilitating plays, but I do like hard-nosed, hard-hitting football, like passionately played football. I love that aspect of it. But at the same token, you know, I don't want to see guys get massively injured and carted off the field, you know, in that capacity. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I, it's just so weird. You know, you, you look at, Talent-wise, difference-wise, you know, I mean, it's, you know, at the end of the day, you're still, you know, 200-some-odd pounds worth of guy throwing yourself full speed at a new hundred, at another 200-pound worth of dude wearing the same type of equipment, you know. And I, it's kind of weird. There's a debate going on right now where where the, the better the equipment, the harder the hits, you know, because, like, back when, you know, even – when I was of age to play football, like it, like the technology and the equipment that we wore wasn't anywhere near where it is today with like the concussion protection protocol and all that stuff. So do you think that has something to do with it too? Like the, the better the equipment, the harder the hits are. 
Because because you feel more secure in your equipment. I mean, possibly, but this this gear is designed to protect you to the max. I mean, these new helmets they have they have those little ones that have like the little bubble on it that's supposed to cushion the impact to take it off. I mean, concussions are going to happen no matter if you have the helmets from when they first played the game or to the helmets now. It, they're just it's going to happen. You're getting hit in the head. It's bound to happen. I mean, I I say with the padding you do have, you feel more protected. I mean, then you're also willing to throw your body more out there if you don't feel it as much as a defensive player. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I can totally see that. I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's just so hard to try to figure out like where where the line of delineation is, and <coughs> excuse me, from going from you know, you want to take you want to take the massive injuries out or, or mitigate the injuries as much as possible. But you don't want to take away from the true spirit of the game because then you end up playing flag football, and that's not football. I mean, it is, but it isn't. Yeah, I mean, I'm all for player safety, but at the end of the day, this is football, and people know what they signed up for. They know it's a physical sport, and they know injuries are possible and concussions are possible. So I feel like, honestly, you should just let the people play and just because they, they know the, the consequences they can face to their bodies. Yeah, I think it's... It's awesome, though, as I watch my sons go through this program. They're just starting to learn. Um, but in our peewee program, um, our kids go through a, a concussion protocol. They have the pre-concussion test. And then if they have a suspected concussion, then they have a concussion like protocol that they have to clear. So like they'll have to retake the test after they're diagnosed with a concussion before they can even step back on the field again. Yeah, that's that's a great addition they have because, I mean, they do that at every level. I did that in high school, and I'm still doing it here at college. I mean, we know concussions exist, and now we're getting smarter about diagnosing them and letting your, giving your brain actually enough time to heal. So, I mean, with all that, I feel like, yeah, you get a concussion, let him take his time, heal, and then you get healed, you're, you're back. I mean, it's going to happen. You're going to, somehow or another, you could face a concussion. Yeah, I think we're getting a lot better at the treatment. Maddie, do you have... They have, yeah, they have those tests even when you're not playing a contact sport. Like, I didn't play contact sports, but still had to take them for the sports that I did, like track. and um, So, like, I did, like, track and marching band, and those aren't contact sports. But we still had to take them so that they knew if we were to get injured, they could be able to tell. They had a baseline on you. Yeah. See, what a difference 20 years make. We didn't have any of that stuff. We had smelling salts and a coach telling me to rub some dirt on it and walk it off. <laughs> Suck it up, son. That's football. You get out there and you hit somebody. Of course, you know, in football, I wasn't the, the great physical specimen that you see before you today. I was, I was a six-foot, 168-pound mess. <coughs> and that was soaking wet with all my clothes on. It was bad. I was, just, I was the wee little guy. I didn't actually grow into the physical specimen that you see before you today until, like, you know, a few years ago. After my after my service, well, I was pretty heavy in my service. That's how I got the name Tubby. You know, when you're six foot and two seventy, kind of draws some attention to you. Kind of a big guy, <laughs> which is funny. I'll have to put it. I'm gonna have to put it on. I have it on my Facebook page, but I'm gonna have to show you guys. It's funny, because my job in the army, I fix computers, right? So I was in computer services, and I have this picture of us standing on our porch outside of our base in Iraq. And it's funny because outside of our captain, who was like a wee little guy, he looked like a member of the Lollipop Guild from The Wizard of Oz. Outside of him, 
the rest of us on our computer team looked like offensive linemen. Like, seriously. Like, the four of us could be, like, linemen starting almost at any Division II football team. Well, I, I don't know. Coach Corey may not because he has standards, so he may not <laughs> let me on his line. By the way, shout out to Coach Corey. I do love you, buddy. You're awesome. Even though he doesn't bring me barbecue when he goes on his recruiting trips. Darn that guy. But yeah, so it's funny. It's hilarious because like we're like we're all like real big guys. Like I was six foot and two sixty, two seventy. Um, the other tubby was five eleven and two fifty. Nacho was like six one and two forty. Troy's six four and like two eighty or something like that. But he was ripped, and he was forty at the time when I deployed ten years ago. And he was like, he was like an actual physical. I joke about me being a physical specimen, but this dude was ripped. Like that's all he did was like fix computers and work out. Like I was scared of him. <laughs> it was kind of funny, but uh, I digress. So that about does it for us here. It's ten forty four here on eighty eight point nine WFSE Fighting Scots Radio on a Thursday edition of the morning after. Trey, do you have anything else to add? Anything you want to say going forward? Uh, no, just thank you for having me on here today. Thanks. You've been an awesome, awesome guest. Uh, look forward to having you back or, or anybody else, I guess, from the team next Thursday as we'll turn this into an actual Thursday thing. We'll do th- Thursday football uh, main priority here on the morning after. Don't forget, 7 p.m. Friday, that's tomorrow night at Macomb Fieldhouse, Volleyball season opener. Don't miss it. You want to be in Macomb. You want to be there for all the exciting action. Maddie G will be on the call on ETV, which will be broadcast if you can't make it out to Macomb. And then also they'll be in action at 12 again on Saturday morning. They'll be in action again. And again, I think, Maddie, you're going to be on the call for that as well for ETV. Uh, Friday night's game is actually going to be on WFSE as, as well. well. Okay, so you can listen to it here on WFSE um, for Friday night's game. Saturday is ETV only because they will be playing at noon. Also, the football team, as mentioned all day long today, <laughs> will be in action against the Lake Erie College Storm. So they'll try to, to weather the storm, as it were, Saturday at noon. That can be heard right here on WFSE. Chris and Luke will be on the call for that. And then at 2 o'clock, Lady Soccer will be in action at Sox Harrison Stadium. Um, You can catch the recap of that in the next issue of The Spectator for photos and article to follow. And then at 4 p.m., Ladies Volleyball again to finish out the weekend Saturday night. Again, ETV, Maddie G on the call as well. Anything I forget? Tonight, actually, is the so- women's soccer team home opener, but it's not home. It's not it's home. It's their opener. It's their season opener, their and season that's at opener. Notre Dame College. It is. In Euclid, Yeah. Ohio, one of the eastern suburbs of Cleveland, right across the border. That's a nice two-hour trip over there. It looks like the kickoff for that one is at 4. 4, and it looks like it's going to be streamed because uh, they do have a link and onto the Notre Dame website. Okay, awesome sauce. So, so if you're, if you're looking for game. the link for that, I'll try to tweet it out through our social media, or you can go to gofightingscots.com. That's our sports information site. 
Um, they'll have all the links available for you there. Also, if you missed any part of the show and would like to listen to it later, check out the podcast on edinburghnow.com. So until Tuesday, when we will have the giant wrap-up show, and we'll bring you all the action from women's volleyball, women's soccer, the football team on Saturday, everything you need to know about Edinburgh will be on that show Tuesday. Also, we'll continue with our segments of Tuesdays with Tom, as Tom Risen Weber will be calling in from the Erie Times News to talk about local high school football. And we'll break down all the big matchups that happened Friday night and clue you in on what to look forward to the following week. So from all of us here at the morning after, have yourselves a great day. <laughs>